Friday, 12th of June, 2020. We finally reached the middle of the year, just about, and we're right in the middle of this pandemic. We're still locked down, although they're slightly easing it. Hello, good morning, I'm Julian Bray, and I'm talking to you from Peterborough, Cambridgeshire in the UK. And the podcast, I'll be quite honest, the last few weeks have been quite interesting. So the podcast has taken a back seat, but it's back again with all the bells and whistles and everything else I can put in. And really, it hasn't got any better, has it? Because what we're seeing is that, uh, well, we see the politicians go on the television every day. They read from the same script, the same sort of false bonhomie as they try and make light of some really shockingly bad news. Now we hear that the GDP, the economy, if you like, has gone off the edge of a cliff and it's down 20%. Furlough, this idea that you can be paid 80% of your salary by the government, is coming to an end. We now find that uh, the GDP is down about 20%, which basically means that hundreds of thousands of jobs are going to go. The big, unfeeling uh, organisations, conglomerates such as Centrica, that's one, they're saying they're going to get rid of thousands, airlines are getting rid of thousands, you name it, everywhere you go, everywhere that has a management structure of several layers, they're saying, right, we're going to cut that, we're going to get out, and we're going to slim down we've seen what can be done uh, using zoom and people working at home and so now you're going to find that they will cut back on their office space why not because people have got a spare room or they'll work in the kitchen uh, if pushed um, i have a really talented designer next door who works um, about 50 miles away for a gaming company they 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 do all these computer games i won't mention the name of it um but uh, literally you have your ps4 set up and the software uh that his company produces can be found on it and he does all sorts of amazing scenarios with a sort of space alien themes and like that and he's working away in his house because the firm have now put the computer and the link and everything else into his house. And he says, well, yes, but I don't really want to go back to the office now. I'm quite happy here. Uh, put my hours in. He probably puts more hours in than uh, previously in the office because, you know, you'd have what we call the water cooler moments. And you'd have a break and you'd go off. But he just says it's being at home. There are no distractions, so you just steam on with the work. So perhaps management has stumbled onto something here. All of this, of course, has a knock-on effect. And the knock-on effect being that uh, if you're going to have all these people working at home and if you're going to have another set of people using Zoom, I'll give you an example. Um, I'm uh, a journalist, so I'm a member of the National Union of Journalists, and we have a freelance branch. They held a Zoom conference instead of a branch meetings. And I tell you, branch meetings can be so dry uh, but it livens a bit up a bit afterwards when you go to the pub and you have a have a drink. Anyway, they had a Zoom 
meeting, there were 57 people uh, attending the branch meeting, which is unheard of because normally you get about a dozen uh, and that's about it. And the business all went through all the business, the links all worked. And, well, why on earth would you travel to, say, a conference when you could do the same thing using Zoom or using many of the other apps that are around at the moment? So it is something to think about. And management certainly going to think about it because they say, right, we can save on all these expensive airfares because executives, they like to travel business. Uh, they don't want to travel an economy. They say, listen, I'm working. Well, all right, and, and the nice uh, uh, gin and tonic to wash it all down and everything else and plenty of space and all the creature comforts. But so it has a knock-on effect. So pilots are being sacked like mad. Crews are going. You have this ridiculous situation with British Airways at the moment. Now, British Airways, you have to remember, is part of a Spanish company, right, IAG, who are based in Spain. So the fact it still claims to be the flag carrier for the UK, I'm afraid it's not the old BA that we knew. It's no longer the world's favourite airline. Uh, it is just simply a brand within the IAG group. And uh, the top boss at IAG is, of course, the Irishman, Willie Walsh, who used to run Aer Lingus many years ago, which is now part of their setup. So the point being that um, he can quite easily say, right, um, I want to downsize British Airways. If the government doesn't support me, I will certainly do that. Meanwhile, he is going ahead with the Spanish part of his company to buy, I think it's Air Europa, it's, it's a European uh, airline he's buying, uh, using, he says, funds from AIG, not funds within British Airways. Now, frankly, that is salami slicing, because wherever they put the resources towards one section of the company, then the other section of the company is bound to suffer. And this is the situation with British Airways. They've got aircraft parked up all over the place. Most of them are in Bournemouth at the moment. So you'll find that a lot of those aircraft will not be returning to the skies again. We also have this ridiculous situation over holidays. Are holidays going to happen this year or are they not? We have uh, the big, huge international organisation, TUI, TUI, saying, listen, we're pushing back beach holidays until the middle of July. They, was, they were supposed to kick off around about, uh, well, about now. Uh, but the Foreign and Commonwealth Office hasn't changed its advice to travellers, which is don't travel. And if they haven't changed their advice, then, of course, you don't have any valid uh, travel insurance to cover your journey. And I'm afraid travel insurance these days is not only expensive, but it is very, very necessary indeed. It's, it's not, uh, yes, you can, you can get the European health card and you can get medical services uh, locally at clinics and things. But the problem comes if you need an air evacuation to get you back, somebody seriously ill, back by air to the UK. That's when it comes in because these things are expensive. Uh, from Spain to the UK, air ambulance, 
uh, with the nurse, the doctor and everybody else is about £25,000. And that is why you buy your holiday insurance, uh, your travel insurance. And remember, of course, you don't actually have to buy it from the holiday company. You can go out and uh, into the marketplace and buy your own. As long as you have a certificate, it is valid and you've got it with you at all times. So that is something we can think about there. So it's going to be a full-blown recession we're heading towards. It does look like it. Now, previous recessions, they've been off, well, gross domestic product been down by about 5%. But we're looking at, well, we're looking at 20, 25%. Uh, there's a graph on the television at the moment and it's going to be a recession like no recession before. Now we've touched on the fact that lots of people are going to lose their jobs but remember the knock-on effect. It means that there's going to be a lot of repossessions and frankly people if they've got some money they're going to hang on to it which means that the so-called revival of the high street is a misnomer and a lot of councils haven't actually woken up to the fact that uh, their high streets are dying and uh, instead of reducing rents and uh, um, trying to get rid of uh, business business rates and all that sort of thing they're still trying to screw as much as they can out of the tenants now some people go in and they plow their life savings into a shop cafe restaurant you you name it and then they suddenly find that uh, the footfall as they call it the people walking by aren't really coming in. So why is this? Uh, Peterborough is a good example, a really good example is uh, where I live in Cambridgeshire. And I had to go into the centre of town yesterday to to drop a letter into the town hall. Of course, the town hall's closed and the letter box was boarded up. So in the end, I ended up posting it. So while I was there, I took it wandered around the town centre because, you know, we've all got to have some exercise. And it was absolutely dead. <coughs> Not a person around, apart from half a dozen homeless people. Now, this is four o'clock in the afternoon on Thursday, yesterday. And there's a, yes, about, about half a dozen to a dozen homeless people. And some were already getting their bedding rolls ready for the night for another night out in the open. Now, we're supposed to have rehomed or rehoused or temporarily rehoused all these people. How come Peterborough still has homeless people on its streets? What is the council doing? As usual, very little. Half the council's decamped to Cambridge. I can't blame them, frankly, um, because they've teamed up with Cambridge Council and they're sharing services. And basically, the a uh, huge corporate department that Peterborough has has actually moved down to Cambridge and uh, they're supplying services elsewhere. Uh, I do wish they'd actually come back to this city and supply a few services here and try and work out what's happening. But uh, not a soul was moving, everywhere was closed. There's the odd food shop that's open and there's the odd uh, cafe forlornly trying to sell takeaway but there's just nobody there. Even in the good times, if you do try and get into Peterborough, you're faced with the situation that they've already cut back on the bus services, taxis are expensive, and frankly, 
um, if you try and go in by car, they've raised the parking fines, uh, they got a team of wardens around, they're even fining cyclists for heaven's sake, there's a street called Bridge Street, which hardly anybody goes in, but it's a connecting route into the centre of town, and cyclists cycle up and down there, sometimes furiously you might say, uh, but the point is they passed a, a local bylaw saying no cycling, and so they hired this bunch of thugs from Wales, sorry, uh, street wardens from Wales, it's a private firm, who work on commission, and what happens is um, they've been fining everybody left, right and centre. I've watched it, handing out tickets, so it's a licence to print, well, it's a licence to print money, but it's all going off to this firm in Wales. It's not going into the coffers of the council. We've also got a situation, of course, where all the pubs are closed. Now, there's one particular pub which is housed in a huge Dutch grain barge on the River Neen, uh, which is in central Peterborough, and they are doing kind of off-sales uh, towards the weekend. Warren, who's a very genial host there, um, gets a couple of barrels in and so he's dispensing pints for taking home. You can't drink it in the beer garden at the moment so you have to take it away with you but uh, he's trying to maintain something. They're on, on a kind of furlough but he does, say, he does say that they've managed to do a few things to the old barge. It's built about the same time as uh, the Titanic and uh, for many, many years it used to ply the uh, canals and rivers of Europe uh, with, with sand, gravel, uh, seed, all sorts. And uh, it was f driven, or, or not sailed, not sailed, because it had an engine then, but it was brought over to the UK. And uh, one of the founders of Oakham's Brewery was actually on board when it came over. And then they took it into the River Neen. Uh, they took off the superstructure, uh, all the cabins and everything, reduced it to a hulk, uh, because the point is it had to go under bridges, and the only way to get it under a bridge was to sink the whole lot. So that's what they did. They, they got it all the way up to Town Bridge, sunk it, uh, got it under the bridge, and then pumped air back into it, brought it up to service, and then rebuilt it as a restaurant and a bar. And it works very well. It's been there ever since. Uh, but uh, they say it's quite an expensive thing to do because you're, you're charged for a mooring uh, bay as well as the other costs you have associated with the pub. But uh, anyway, that's called Charters. And when that reopens, that will be very... It's a very nice place to go. So there you are. But that's just another of these stories during this ridiculous lockdown. Now... In the UK, we have this thing called social distancing. Uh, you probably have it as well. But <clears throat> the recommended uh, distance is one metre between people. Uh, but in the UK, it's two metres. Now, supermarkets have been busy. They've been putting down tapes, roundels. Uh, these are all pre-printed, and it says keep two metres apart. And they've done their level best to try and work this situation and now I'm hearing they're thinking of reducing it to one meter which means that all the tape all the pre-printed tape is going to have to be junked and they're going to have to make new tape they're going to have to put down new tapes new roundels new signage 
and everything else. So I do wish I was a tape printed tape manufacturer because I would have made a fortune by now. And there's another one to be made if they do change the distance. But the point is, people are getting fed up with it and they're getting a bit careless. And these um, Black Lives Matter riots, sorry, not riots, demonstrations, uh, are also part of the problem. Now, I say Black Lives Matters, the demos, are part of the problem quite simply because people are not social distancing. Uh, the mob mentality seems to have taken over and they're all bunching together. Very few masks between them. And of course, it's it is BA um, EM audiences and they are susceptible to this dreadful coronavirus bug that we have. And we're only halfway through the epidemic. Uh, or the pandemic that's what people don't realize they think oh you know it, it's easy everything will go back the way it was once uh, this is over it won't it's changed we've got to get used to the new normal it's going to be totally changed so really we don't need the distraction of people pulling down the statues worrying about uh, historical figures what we really need to do is get ourselves well again um, that's my mantra, and so um, I will try and sort of follow that because, quite frankly, nobody else is going to look after us. Uh, so, really, what can we do? Now, I'm hearing that uh, IAG say that British Airways, EasyJet, and Ryanair have now launched their legal action against the government over its 14 day quarantine restriction. Uh, now, this is a ridiculous scenario where if you go on holiday from the UK to a country, any of the uh, favourite holiday countries, when you come back, you have to self-isolate for 14 days. Your name and telephone number and address will be taken when you arrive back and they say they will check up on you. And uh, I understand in England, the fine is £1,000 if... Um, you're found not to be inside your house. You can't even go out shopping, apparently. But it's ridiculous because the people come in from the airport, first thing they do, they jump on public transport to get home. So why why are they doing this? <clears throat> Obviously, they've got to wear masks and everything else when they're on board the flight. There's a whole series of things happening within the airlines at the moment to try and make uh, flying a little bit safer. But they're not going to be social distancing on the plane. Um, they're going to rely on the fact that they've got HEPA filters. These are, these are the same quality of filters you have in an operating theatre in a hospital. So hopefully the air is sufficiently clean and it takes out the virus. But <clears throat> even so, uh, you're going to be asked to stay in your seat. You can't queue up for the loo. You've got to push the call button. Uh, the flight attendants have got to go and do a sanitization of the loo before and after. And so it goes on. It really is, it gets everywhere. It's pervasive. It it really gets to you, which means they won't be doing the duty-free rounds and they won't be doing uh, the drinks rounds either. So uh, that's going to be interesting, isn't it? Catering is going to be, well, it's going to be no catering as well. So really, 
that's no way to start a holiday. So you're going to see lots of changes there. But of course, you're also going to see changes in uh, the the airports because they will have a one-way system. But still, they you won't be able to effectively self-isolate uh, or socially distance yourself within an airport. It just can't happen because there are pinch points where you come together. So somebody has not thought this through. I've just given you a couple of examples, but you see how muddled it is. And my thinking sounds muddled, but no, it isn't. But I'm just pulling together the various elements to show you how stupid our politicians are being at the moment. When I say they're being stupid, uh, you can see an example of this, uh, not only the daily number 10 press conferences, where they just read out the same script day after day, day after day. Hancock is the worst because he's got this fake bonhomie presence. Uh, he's a health secretary. And frankly, you just don't believe a word that he is saying. Uh, that's the way he comes over. I'm sorry, but... Uh, uh, I had to speak as I, as I see it, and I just cannot for the life of me understand why he continues with this. Uh, really, they should get, well, really, the Prime Minister should be fronting this all the time. Uh, but really, they are paddling around trying to make sense of this, and clearly uh, some of them haven't got a clue. Now, the daily stats come out and say, right, the death toll is up, death toll's down, it's spread here, spread there. Uh, and there are, well, the, the big worry is there's going to be a second spike. Um, it will happen, I think, as soon as we get into winter, because you're going to have the, the usual flu deaths and you're going to have these deaths and they're going to have to work out which is coronavirus and which is down to seasonal flu. Uh, we have an aging population here, which doesn't doesn't help. So that will help to see a few more people off. Uh, we've even got the situation at the moment where people, only a few people, can attend funerals, and so many people are dying on their own with just an undertaker and a celebrant uh, visible, uh, no relations and. And it really is very, very strange and not a fitting way to see somebody pass on. But that is what we have to live with. And the sooner we can actually get rid of this pandemic, the better. However, people are now saying that, uh, well, apart from the fact we do not have a vaccine and uh, if the what they're doing at the moment is still in the early stages of tests, of various types of vaccines to see if they can actually uh, progress with it. I'm choosing my words very carefully here uh, because you've also got the added scenarios of some drug companies being bought up by large company, uh, large countries. For example, America is trying to cherry pick the best of the vaccines. Hey, just a minute, what about us in the UK? Aren't we entitled to the best vaccines as well? What about India? What about France? Spain? Anywhere, you name it. But there's a lot of self-interest going on and it's all getting rather nasty. So I'm saying to everybody, please, please, please be careful, be aware and remember that we now face the new normal. 
it's not going to go back the way it was and I'm afraid everybody's going to be a lot worse off. My God, do I sound like the voice of doom today. Now, the former chief scientific advisor, Sir David King, is saying that the number of COVID-19 deaths in the UK could have been avoided if the lockdown was imposed earlier. Now, this is all very well, Sir David, but the point is it wasn't. And so we have to deal with the situation as is. We've got all this navel-gazing from these academics saying, oh, if we've done this, we've done that. The point is it wasn't done. And we have to look to the future and see what can be done. Now, we have a scenario saying that, uh, we, well, that we don't have a vaccine. That is my problem with this whole thing. We don't have a viable vaccine that can be given to everybody. Uh, there was a scenario which suggested they would deliberately infect the entire population. Um, herd immunity, I think it's called. And that was deigned to be, well, the politicians couldn't handle that. So this is where you get the medical side and the political side at loggerheads. But at the end of the day, it is the politicians that decide, decide the policy. Uh, this is where the whole thing falls down. So really, what we're looking at now is for some strong voices to come along. And frankly, we don't need distractions. So pulling down of statues really just does not do it for me. Uh, but what we have to do is to make sure that we've actually got some way of getting this vaccine through very quickly and making sure there's plenty, uh, plenty of supplies ready to actually do this mass campaign. Because it's no use just doing part of the country. Uh, not doing another part of the country. You've got to do the whole lot, more or less at the same time, in order for it to be effective. And then hopefully, uh, if we can get a really good immigration policy or a good immigration screening policy, uh, we might stop the infection from coming back in from overseas and causing an additional spike. Or the worst case scenario is, of course, that a different strain of uh, coronavirus comes back in and that means of course then we start all over again there is absolutely no end to this everybody thinks well it seems to think that we're going to get over this uh, politicians talk about pushing the hump uh, further down now they're talking about bubbles bubbles for god's sake um, because you can actually isolate with another member of your family and uh, it means lovers that are split apart can actually uh, sort of have a legal night of sex. There's no other way for it uh, to explain it. And so all this goes on, but this is the sideshow to the main show. And the main show being is getting this vaccine ahead. Now, I would like to see all work on HS2. <clears throat> this is high-speed railway that nobody really wants now because the world has moved on and changed. All the work on that stops as is and the funding is used, pumped into the preparation of the vaccine. There isn't enough money going into to the vaccine side of it. Uh, we've run up a huge international debt which will take generations to pay back. 
because of furlough and everything else that's happened. And of course, there's no, no stopping uh, the idea that there could be another round of this. We just don't know where we're going with it uh, because we just cannot control it.